unsuspecting stranger had better know the truth of wrong from right. Cause the eyes of the ranger are upon you. Any wrong you do, he's gonna see. When your injections left behind you. Folks, when you think of Chuck Norris, what comes to mind? Uh, star of the long-running TV series Walker, Texas Ranger. Action star of more than 20 major motion pictures. Six-time undefeated world professional middleweight karate champion. Martial arts teacher to the stars. Writer of the New York Times bestseller Against All Odds. Man, this guy's done it all. Chuck Norris joins us today on the Drew Marshall Show. Appreciate the time you're spending with us. Well, it's my pleasure, thanks. I didn't realize you had a ranch in Dallas. I was just down in Dallas last week. Oh, were you really? I yeah. W- Actually, it's down near, near closer to Houston and College Station. Okay. That's where the ranch is. I have a home in Dallas, but uh, our ranch is uh, down near College Station. Good. And, and do you run any stock there, any cattle? Yeah, or? We, are, yeah we have cattle. We have uh, long, uh, longhorns and brangas and horses. And, yeah, it's a working cattle ranch. You know, when I was younger, I used to rodeo uh, for a little bit, and uh, uh, I, I thought I'd go down to Dallas and enjoy the warm, sunny weather, maybe get out on a couple of ranches. I spent the whole time at a conference, and I didn't see the sun once. Oh, <laughs> well, hey, believe me, if you rode bulls, I envy you, because, you know, when I did Walker, you know, they put me on these bulls in the pen, yeah. you know, and, uh, you know, tie me down and all this stuff here, and, and the field of strength of that bull under me. Yeah, pretty scary. Boy, in fact, on one of them, the bull uh, uh, jumped up and hooked his hoofs on the thing, and, and, and I was hanging down at a 90-degree angle. And you never seen so many hands trying to get me out of there. <laughs> and well, and I, I thought, boy, I, uh, you know, I actually, Ty Murray, uh, you yeah. know, I, he did a movie uh, episode with Walker. Yeah, Ty Murray, boy, he's he's won a lot of money in the rodeo circuit. Oh boy, hasn't he? Yeah, but it was so amazing because my, Ty Murray gets hurt, right? So I ride for him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I replaced Ty Murray to ride the bull. <laughs> well, that'll work, man. As long as when the bull chucked it up in the shoot, you didn't scream like a girl. You know that's uh, okay. No, I believe, but believe me, when that, if that door would have opened, you'd have seen one guy get off a bull real fast. <laughs> <laughs> My wife and I are involved with a place called Teen Ranch up here in, in Canada, and uh-huh. uh, we have about 40 head of stock, and my wife and I have a couple of quarter horses. And uh, oh, really? Yeah. So it's a it's a bit of a bit of a passion of ours as well. Yeah, I was thinking about getting a Tennessee Walker. Oh, really? Yeah. Just I, I'm just tired of bouncing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> with my 65 year old body, I, I like to keep from bouncing so much. <laughs> I get it, man. My, 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 my chiropractor says the same thing, you know. I went into her the other day, and she said, boy, what the heck is wrong with you? I said, well, it started out with rodeo and finished off with football. That's what's wrong with me. Exactly, boy. Well, see, I'm, I'm going through the same thing. All the years of martial arts and you know, all the jumping, twisting, turning, and all that there, you know, it just, it just works on all your joints. And... <laughs> Not a good thing, man. All right, listen, rumor has it that you're turning 66 in a week or so. Is that right? Yeah. Man. Chuck Norris cannot be 66. <laughs> well, I actually, I say I'm 39, you know, with uh, 26 years' experience, yeah, seven okay. years' experience. That'll work. That'll work. <laughs> Carlos Ray Norris, how did he get the name Chuck? Uh, well, actually, when I went into the service in uh, boot camp, and a uh, Hispanic guy says, you know what uh, uh, Carlos means in English? And I says, uh, yeah, Charles, I think. He says, yeah, and the nickname for Charles is Chuck, and you know, I'm going to call you Chuck. All right. And so it kind of, and for some reason, it kind of stuck from there. And so all, all through my military, everyone called me Chuck. 
Well, Chuck stuck, and you've had it ever since. Look, yep. you're, you're probably sick of having to tell your life story over and over again, so let's see if I can consolidate it for you, okay? You ready? Mm-hmm. You grew up extremely shy, introverted, non-athletic until you joined the Air Force out of high school, after which you were sent to Korea, where martial arts brought you out of your shell, and then the introvert becomes six-time undefeated world karate champion and an incredibly successful actor in both movies and TV, right? That's not it. Yeah. Does that work? Yeah, that works, yeah. But, uh, but I haven't stopped there. No. I'm still, I'm still moving, you know. The thing is that I, you know, I just finished writing my uh, first fiction novel, you know, called The Justice Writers. Hmm. And uh, pretty interesting story. It's about seven men who helped change the course of history during the Civil War. And the main character is Ezra Justice, who grew up on a plantation pre-Civil War. And his best friend becomes one of the slave boys on this plantation. And when the war breaks out, Ezra joins the North because uh, he realizes that the slavery is morally wrong. And his uh, best friend joins it with him, uh, the black fellow. And General Sherman recruits Ezra to form a team to go into the South to help expedite the end of the war by sabotaging and all that other stuff. So Ezra recruits his black friend, but he also recruits a British guy who was with the Queen's Royal Guard, a full-blooded Irishman, a uh, identical twin brothers who were gypsies, and a half-Sioux, half-white guy. And what a diverse group of guys, but they're all experts in their own field, and, uh, and they go into the South, and, and the book deals with their exploits during uh, and after the Civil War to help expedite it. But, uh, but a lot of it is fact, too. You know, there's a lot of fact in this here, Drew, because, uh, you know, I, uh, being a history buff, and one of my guys that helped me write it, Tim Graham, is a history buff, and so we came up with a lot of factual material that you know, is interlaced with the fictional material, but something that most people won't know is at the end of the war, uh, the government was sending the soldiers home on steamboats down the Mississippi. And one of the boats was uh, one called the Sultana. And uh, the Sultana holds 400 people. Well, they put 1,600 people on the Sultana because the captain gets paid per head. And as they're going down the Mississippi, the boilers explode and 1,400 people perish wow. on the Mississippi. And the reason why we haven't heard it, uh, like the Titanic, why it hasn't become... Uh, uh, national or well-known historical fact is that uh, Abraham Lincoln was uh, assassinated that week, and he got all the front-page news. Sure, it overshadowed the big. It overshadowed it, and so uh, so you have to dig pretty deep to find out about the Sultana. You know, I, I love the the, uh, the the characters you put together. I mean, you put together an angry Irish guy with a with a stuck-up Brit. Exactly. I thought that's classic. Yeah, <laughs> and boy, they 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 don't get along at all in the beginning. No. <laughs> but but again, they grow to be brothers at the end. I mean, I think that the the, uh, the storyline that catches me is the, uh, you know, you got to pull off these raids that Washington says are impossible, right? You know, you right, got to sabotage exactly. the South supply lines. You got to obtain crucial intelligence information, snatch some prisoners, assassinate Confederate officers, and and the part I always like is it's one of these black ops thing. You know, if they're caught, then the uh, the Union doesn't even acknowledge they exist, right? Exactly. On their own. Exactly. I, I always love those kind of themes, and you—I mean, you had those those sorts of themes in some of your movies as well. Yeah, whole, I did. Yeah, I did. Uh-huh. The whole you you're, you get caught, you're screwed kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. This this looks like a sharp book. This is your first stab I, at fiction? Or, yeah, it's my first stab at fiction. Yeah, it was. But it's a story I had in the back of my mind for a long time, and and uh, and I brought in Ken Abraham, you know, who's a uh, New York Times uh, top ten uh, writer, to help me, you know, fine tune it and make it flow. Yeah. Because the main thing about uh, reading a book. You know, if you can't visualize what's going on as you're reading, then you you know then you get bored and you put it down. I do. Yeah. So I really wanted to make the uh, 
the, uh, people who read this book be able to visualize what's going on as, as they're reading it. And I, I think you do. I think you get a good visualization we, as you read this book. We're on the phone with uh, Chuck Norris. Chuck, is there, is there some God stuff in, in this book? Well, there's a little bit of faith because uh, Big Nate, the, the black fellow, is a very strong Christian guy. And uh, he actually converts uh, Ezra to uh, uh, Christianity. But the problem with Ezra, like uh, Nate says, is that his, uh, his faith is a foot too high. Uh, meaning that Ezra <laughs> analyzes his faith rather than letting it be in part of his heart. Yeah. What's that old term, uh, so heavenly minded, no earthly good? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, you know, the whole story builds where Ezra eventually, you know, finds the, the faith in his heart. But uh, and but uh, the thing is, when the uh, the boat is going down, when the Sultana's going down, uh, Big Nate finds a fellow who's, uh, who is dying. And this guy is a sinner. You know, he's a guy who's uh, killed and and all this stuff here, and, and Nate bends down and says, well, let me pray for you. And the guy says, oh, prayer won't do any good. He says, uh, what I've done in my life you know, is, uh, will never be forgiven. Mm. And uh, so anyway, Nate goes into his you know, say things, and God forgives all sinners. You know, uh, you have an amazing story, uh, especially for, for a baby who was born blue, right? Your mom yeah. was totally right when she held you up and said, God has plans for you. An incredible amazing? story you have. It's amazing, isn't it? You know, I think about that, Drew, and the you know, thing is, uh, uh, I have to believe that because, you know, I grew up a kid non-athletic to become successful in the fighting field and then to be shy and, and become successful in the acting field. You know, it had to be a higher power than me to do that. Oh, yeah. Well, I get the impression that, that your mom was a strong Christian woman. Is that, is that is, right? Still is, yeah. She's 85, 85 in May, and she still is. Yeah, yeah. she's uh, still still the driving force. But, and my wife, too. My wife's one that really brought me back to my Christianity. It's amazing the influence the women have. You know, we, we, uh, we're the loudmouths, the men. Are we? Are we? I, I totally agree, Drew. <laughs> you know, and yet it's the women that really drive us, isn't it? I, I tell you, they really do. They yeah. really do. All the parenting was mostly left to your mom, Wilma Norris, and your granny. Yep. So, again, women have, have kind of helped your life stay on track right from the get-go. They really have. You know, they've been the, influ- the strongest influences in my life, from my mom to my granny to uh, actually my wife today. All right, so tell us about your spiritual journey, Chuck. I mean, all I know is that when you were a teen, you... You bought into the Jesus stuff, probably do mostly to your to your mother's influence. Yeah, my mom. Yeah, I was raised in the church. Right. I was raised in the church, and then when I got on my own and and got in, especially mainly into the entertainment world of a, you know, then you know, then, <laughs> I lived the world of a of an actor and an entertainer, you know, and and I lived that wild life. And I did everything that uh, you shouldn't be doing, and then when I met Gina, who's a you know strong Christian woman, and I I'd go over and. Uh, and I would uh, uh, pick her up, you know, take her to breakfast or something, and she'd be in there reading her Bible. Hmm. And I'd go walk, and I'd say, well, what you doing? I, I read my Bible every morning. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, she said, well, won't you sit down? So I sat down, and uh, so she uh, said, look, can I read it aloud? And I said, yeah, yeah, sure. So she started reading it aloud, and, and, uh, and then, the, and then I, I, the next day I know I'm coming, going over every morning listening to her read the Bible. And it's, and it's like the Holy Spirit grabbed me and said, Man, it's time to come home. Really? Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, it's really, uh, really. I mean, it's like it just—it's like it just struck me right in the heart. Said, you know, you've been gone long enough. Well, I've—I mean, I've seen pictures of Gina. I've not met her, but I've seen pictures of her, and I mean, like seriously, man, that woman could sell ice cream to Eskimos. She is gorgeous. Uh, thank you. Yeah, but she's just as beautiful inside. That's what. That's, that's the thing that got you, huh? Yeah, you know, because beauty, you know, after a while, you know. Uh, 
I mean, you know, I've dated a lot of beautiful women in my life, you know, in my single days, and and after a while, they, you know, they get boring. Yeah, yeah. Unless there's something inside of them. Yeah. You know, and uh, you know, and Gina has that, and that's what, you know, that's why I've been with her for nine years. Okay, so in your book, Against All Odds, you very candidly share how you and Gina were both brought back to this committed relationship with Christ. But you were you were living together before you were married, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah we you, did. You speak very openly about the whole living together yeah. thing, and, and then your pastor sort of led you to knock it off. Would, oh, yeah. would, would you say that was a turning point in your lives as a oh, Christian yeah. couple? Uh, yeah, yeah no, we both admit you know, that we, what we did was wrong. Because, you know, really, truthfully, I, I wasn't thinking about getting married again. You know, I've been, I've been married 30 years. And I, you know, and I just I never figured I'd ever get married again. But, but the thing is, uh, living with Gina and, de- and developing my strong Christian faith again, I said, this is wrong. Yeah. It's absolutely wrong. And so, I, you know, I proposed to her, and, and uh, we wound up getting married, you know, and, uh, and um, because I knew that was the right thing to do. But what I did do is I went to her children, and I asked them if I could ask uh, their mother to marry me. Classy move. I had to, you know, I wanted to get their authority. Yeah, nice move. And uh, and so they did, you know, and uh, and uh, and then uh, it's amazing because you know, last thing in the world I ever thought about doing is getting, uh, having children again. Yeah. You know, because Gina, Gina had grown children, I had grown children, but I was running into friends of mine who were in second marriages and starting a second families, and they said, Chuck, it's the greatest thing in the world. You know, now you're you were a kid when you had your kids, now you're mature, and you, you know, and you can really enjoy them more than you did the first time around. And uh, and and they were true. I mean, I, I, with my four-year-old twins, I've, I you know I've, I spend more time with them. I enjoy them more than I did with my kids the first time around. I, I hear that from more guys who, as you said, second marriages, you know, kids later in life. Like like Letterman's got the the new child. Exactly. Uh, 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 who's the guy with the suspenders? What's his name? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. The guy, the interviewer with the suspenders, Larry King. Larry. Oh King's, yeah, Larry King. Yeah. Right. Larry. He's just had kids. Uh, James Taylor's had a set of twins, like you. I just want to remind our listeners, we're on the phone with Chuck Norris. Uh, Chuck, when I say the name Ray D. Norris, what comes to mind? Well, uh, a man who was not there, but I needed him most. Okay, so you grew up with a father who was... Not there. Who was not there. He was unfaithful to your mom? Uh-huh. He was gone for months on end. You know, he was very seldom around the house. So mom had to play the role of... Uh, father and mother so he was rarely around because the bottle and women were more important than you guys exactly so how did not having a healthy father scenario affect the this whole relationship with your heavenly father thing apparently there's a connection there mom mom kept me on track you know my mom was a strong christian woman and uh and she she kept us in church growing up and even though we're extremely poor you know yeah uh you know mom was on welfare for 10 years but you know the thing is i never felt poor because uh, mom fulfilled that, you know, that uh, love that uh, that I really needed. But I talked to people whose whose relationships with their dads was really kind of screwed up when they were growing up, and now somehow it affects the relationship with with God because of that whole father scenario thing. Do you see any connection in your life? No, not at all. Not at all. Mm-mm. That's good to hear. No, you know the, the sad thing, you know, with fathers and the responsibility. You know, eighty uh, percent of the men in prison. Are men who had no relationships with their dads, right? Or if there are abuse, and then they carry on that same abuse that their fathers did to them. And and to me, uh, my faith is really what kept me uh, focused. I mean, amazing. You know, I have to tell you, Drew. Uh, even though I was doing the movies and and had the money and the career and the women and all that, I still felt empty. You know, it was amazing. Yeah. You know, I look back and I say, you know, 
see, I, was, I wasn't even happy. I was not happy at that stage of my life, even though I had everything. Did, did you ever find yourself becoming just like your dad with the women in the booze, or did mm -hmm. you go, go the opposite way? No, I, I did what my dad did. Really, yeah. And that's what, you know, I, but I got divorced. You know, I, I was divorced and single, but, uh, but, I, but I lived, the, you know, I did the, the drinking and the women and not, no, no uh, drugs or anything, but the drinking and the women. Sure. And, uh, but, you know, amazingly, though, with all that, uh, I still, uh, it was an empty world. I had an empty heart. And until I, you know, until I met my wife and and got got back on track, uh, you know, now you know, I, feel, I feel completely full. Now. Sounds sounds like both Gina and the Holy Spirit did a tag team thing and slapped you upside the head. That's exactly what happened. Right. Exactly what happened. Chuck, whose whose death has impacted you the most in life? Uh, probably my brother's. We learned he was killed in Vietnam. You know, growing up, you know, with mom, you know, my brother was my only my closest friend. You know, he and I we had to rely on each other because. Uh, Mom, you know, mom had to work, so I, I had to, you know, I had to babysit him, and you know, and uh, and he, we had to lean on each other for support. You, you hang out with a totally different crowd of people than most of us would. I mean, some of your karate students have been people like Steve McQueen, Bob Barker, which again blows my mind. Bob Barker doing yeah, karate. Yeah, he still, he still trains. Really? Mm -hmm. Which is why he probably beat the snot out of that guy in uh, in uh, what's that golf movie? Oh yeah, uh, Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore. Oh yeah, man, After he did a... that movie. The first thing he, he says, "Have you seen the movie yet?" I said, "Yeah, oh, no, I saw the movie." <laughs> that was one of the funniest <laughs> things I've ever seen. Bob Barker beating the tire out of that guy. I know. Uh, was it Adam Sandler? Adam Sandler. It? That's the name. Yeah, of right. Yeah. <laughs> man, that was funny. All right, so Priscilla Presley, Donnie, and Marie Osmond. Now, there's a thing I'd like to see Priscilla Presley and, and Marie Osmond go toe to toe. That would be a good. <laughs> Match. Uh, but, but you've had lunch with former President Bush in the White House. How do you stay grounded as a follower of Christ and not turn into that same arrogant, selfish jerk that played a big role in screwing up your first marriage to Diane? Well, because I'm older and uh, I realize what's important in my life now. And, uh, you know, and, and I have a purpose in life, which I didn't have before. Right. I thought I had a purpose, you know, with, with the film career and all that. But my purpose now is my Kickstart kids. You know, uh, you know, uh, expanding this program and helping these at-risk children on a national level, and uh, and you know, and the, the proceeds from Justice Writers goes to to these kids. And, uh, and if I get this league uh, going as successful as I hope, then I'll have not, I'll only I'll go from five thousand kids to five hundred thousand kids. Really? And that's and that's really what my purpose in life is. And you know, and Gina's my biggest support system. She works as hard as I do to try to make this a reality. Does Chuck Norris take any heat from the Jesus people saying stuff like, Chuck Norris, he's a Christian? Yeah, right. I mean, come on, he's in all those violent movies. What about the Eastern religions he's been into? He wrote this book called The Secret of Inner Strength and The Secret Power Within, Zen Solutions to Real Problems. How, he can't be a real Christian. Have you taken any heat from Jesus people? No, no, because that's, that was way in the past. You know, that was, uh, that was back in the, uh, you know, uh, 70s and 80s. Right. So they're not on your case. That's good. I'm glad they've left you alone because I know that the celebrities that I've talked to over the years who are sort of, uh, well, they're genuine followers of Christ, but they're terrified of having the, 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 the Christians sink their hooks into them and sort of claim them as their own and, and, and put them up on this pedestal. And, uh, you you know, don't even put them on a pedestal. Believe me, none of it. I mean, <laughs> I don't belong there. None of us belong there. I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to do what I can do while I'm here on earth and, uh, and help as many people as I possibly can help. And uh, you know, and being a by being a martial art background, uh, I'm using, I'm trying to use this martial arts and my celebrity. Because really, think about it, Drew. I mean, without my martial art background and my celebrity, I could have never gotten Kickstart started. 
You you have done some amazing things for for the uh, well the community of the United States. I'd say the community of the world. You have really you, you are quite a humanitarian. Well, you know, it, it goes all the way into Canada. I'm, I have black belts in Canada, and and uh, you know, so it, you know, it's all you know, it's all over the world. Okay. Well, listen, uh, we've spent some fantastic time with us. I, I just want to leave you with this final question. With all of the Eastern religious stuff that comes into uh, martial arts, mm-hmm. uh, did you did you buy into that stuff growing up, or was it just sort of part of the whole karate scene, or the whole martial arts scene? Yeah, you, know, you know, the Eastern religion, you know, but the thing is, what we do with our program is we teach positive affirmations. Not, not Eastern religions, but uh, if you gave it, but positive affirmations, which really, it deals a lot with Proverbs in the Bible. And we, so we deal with a lot of the positiveness about wisdom and all this stuff here with our kids. And it's encouraging them to let them know that they can be anything they want to be. Hmm. And we have one boy who, who was a gang member and going the wrong way. We, we got him into our program. He got a scholarship at MIT. Wow. So, you know, so a lot of these kids have done, been very successful because uh, they started believing in themselves. And that's really what we try to do, make them start believing in themselves. That's and uh, that's what Kickstarts all about. That's great, Chuck. Well, listen, I wish you and Gina all the best, uh, you, especially as a couple. Uh, you've been on a really amazing spiritual journey over your lifetime, and uh, it's nice to see that God has always been and will still continue to be in relentless pursuit of you, man. He will be for the rest of my life, Drew. <laughs> yeah, amazing thing. Chuck Norris, thank you very much for joining us. You've been fantastic. It was just good to chat with you. It was very I real. Believe very me, real. it's been my pleasure. Thank you, Drew. Thanks, mate. Okay, see ya. Bye-bye. Bye. Like what you've heard? Listen again online at drewmarshall.ca. Shoots up through the stony ground. There's no room. No space to win in this town. You're out of luck. And the reason that you had to care, the traffic is stuck. And you're not moving anywhere. You thought you found a friend To take you out of this place Someone you could lend a hand In return for grace So beautiful